Hello, I'm Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church. And last time we saw that the law of sowing and reaping governs the whole of life and including our finances. As Galatians says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You need to realize this always works. Sometimes we can be deceived into thinking, well, I can do something that's bad or I can be selfish and there'll be no consequences. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. God sees everything and everything you sow in your life, there will be a harvest. Now, let me make it clear that not, every, not all bad things that happen is necessary because you're reaping something that you've sown. Because you can do something for righteousness sake and be persecuted. And that's not, that suffering is not because you, you're reaping something that you've done wrong. In fact, look at Jesus. Look how he suffered. In fact, he did ne- nothing wrong. He only sowed what is good. And yet, a lot of bad stuff came upon him. So, he in fact reaped all the harvest of the bad seeds that all people have ever sown. He took that on himself. Well, so sowing and reaping, it's a universal law, but it doesn't mean it explains everything that happens. So, for example, gravity is a universal law. It affects everything. It affects many things. But not everything can be explained by gravity. Electricity is a totally different force. So we're not saying everything is to be understood as sowing and reaping, but nevertheless, sowing and reaping makes a major difference in our life. God, you see, made the natural world to be parallel to the spiritual world, and he teaches us about spiritual things through the natural things that are parable, that are parallel to it. And in particular, God teaches us about sowing and reaping in the spiritual life, comparing it to the way a farmer sows seeds to reap a harvest. And so the laws of seed time and harvest are the same whether we're talking about money or farming. And so this week, we're going to study some of these laws so that we can see how God works and so we can cooperate with him better. Now, law number one, the seed must be planted. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, to every t- everything there's a season. A time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck or reap what is planted. So seeds must be planted in order to produce a harvest. I know it's obvious, but if you're lacking a harvest in a certain area of your life, maybe it's because you haven't sown that seed. You can't expect the seed to multiply and increase unless you plant it. Jesus said in John, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, is planted in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And he was applying that to himself, of course, because the greatest example of sowing and reaping is the fact that God gave, he sowed his son to die in the earth. And from that, he reaped a tremendous harvest. You see, by sowing a perfect, righteous, holy man, Then in the resurrection harvest, he produces a multitude of righteous, holy men. Praise God. Like unto the Son of God. And so he didn't sow an angel because that's not the harvest he wanted. He sowed a man. And he received a wonderful harvest that we're part of. 2 Corinthians says, May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed sown, 
that you've sown and increase the fruits or harvest of your righteousness. See, God gives seed to the sower. You know, if you're a sower, God will give you seed to sow. And he gives you bread for food. His finances are there for your own needs as well. But notice what comes first. See, in our thinking, we tend to think, well, it's the bread for my food, and if there's anything left over, I might sow a bit. But the right mentality is that the first part is the seed for the sowing, and then the rest is bread for food. And God says, God will multiply the seed that you've sown. God doesn't multiply all seeds, only sown seeds, you see. And then he will increase the fruits of your righteousness. He will produce a wonderful harvest from that seed. So we must sow the seed. Now, law number two is that you must release your seed and release yourself with the seed. You see, you must release control of the seed. It dies to you. When Abraham gave his seed, Isaac, to God, he had to be prepared to kill him. He had to release him completely. He had to trust God to bring forth the harvest. And when you give, you can't be with strings attached. You must let go of it. You know, when David was buying the threshing floor as a place for the temple, Arun offered to, to give it. But the king said to him, No, I will surely buy it to, from you, um, because I will not offer something to the Lord, a burnt offering to the Lord, with something that costs me nothing. And so he wanted to plant this seed for the temple. True giving costs us because we're releasing it to God. If it costs us nothing, then we haven't given anything. As Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. We have to release that seed. Jesus had to die, you see, before he could be multiplied. And so, but notice, it's the outer shell of the seed that actually dies, that breaks open, and then it releases the power and the blessing within the seed to grow. But if you don't give it, if you don't release the gift, if it doesn't die, then the harvest cannot come forth, you see. And we need to also learn not just to give a seed, but to release ourselves with the seed. Um, Release your faith and your love along with the gift. This is really important. You give yourself to God as you give the gift. Sow yourself with the seed for that maximum harvest. God sowed a wonderful and reaped a wonderful harvest because he gave himself with the gift. God so loved the world that he gave. You see, whatever we give out of ourselves, we are sowing. But another aspect of the truth is that we are seeds. We sow seeds, but we are also seeds. 1 Corinthians 15 talks like this. It says, some will say, how are the dead raised up? What what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive until it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a resurrection body as he pleases. And to each seed, its own body. And he's saying that our body is like the shell of a seed. When it dies... It's sown into the ground, it's buried. Then at the time of the harvest, of the resurrection, it will be raised up again glorious, manifesting the full potential that's in the seed. Our bodies will be so much more glorious than our present bodies, just like a a beautiful orchard is much more glorious than the seed that it comes from. 
And he goes on to say, so is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor and raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So your body is the shell of the seed and your spirit is the substance of that seed. We need to sow ourselves, you see. He's talking about we are seeds. We need to sow ourselves by obeying God from the heart, by being willing and obedient. And we can either sow ourselves into the flesh, or we can sow ourselves into the spirit in everything that we do. Whatever ground we sow ourselves into will be produced a harvest. Because Galatians goes like this, to read more of it. Let him who's taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He's talking about money. Do, Do not be deceived now. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Then he goes on and says, he who sows to his flesh, what's he talking about? Sowing himself to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows himself to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Notice the change of thought here, from the seed to the ground. The harvest depends on two things, the seed, whatever you sow you'll reap, But also it depends on the ground that you sow into, the flesh or the spirit, good ground or bad ground. You know, when he's, we are sowing ourselves, you see, when we give. The seed is our life that we sow into the spirit or into the flesh. And the harvest depends on which one we sow ourselves into. See, whatever you give yourself to, you increase in that thing. And if you give yourself to the flesh, you will increase in that, but you'll get a harvest of corruption. Well, if you sow yourself into the Spirit, you will reap God's life from the Spirit. Now, for example, let's say you're giving something in the offering and you've, everyone's looking and, and so you, you put something in the offering, but in your heart you're thinking, oh, church is always asking me for money. I don't see why they need my money. You know, but then you put something in. So you've sowed some seed, but actually you've been sowing yourself into the flesh. And you're not going to get any good harvest from that offering. But if you give out of love and faith in God and you're sowing to the Spirit, then you, then you will truly get the harvest. So you need to release your seed, but you need to release yourself with the seed. Having a willing and a loving heart, a generous heart as you give. That's why it says God loves a willing and a cheerful giver. Praise God. So we need to sow ourselves into God. We sow our attention to God. Uh, In the parable of the sower, the main message is, he who has ears to hear, hear what? The word, let him hear, let him keep on hearing. And as you sow your attention to God's word, he says you will also receive back much more. It says in Mark, take heed what you hear, for with the same measure of the same measure that you use, the same measure of hearing that you use, of attention that you use to God's word, it will be measured back to you. What? The harvest will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. What he's saying is that the, the more attention, the more you sow yourself into God's word, the more of the harvest you'll receive back from that. And then he says, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever does not have ears to hear the word, then he will receive no harvest from the word. 
and he will even lose what he's had. It will be taken away from him, not by God, but by Satan, because he's sowing himself into the flesh, and that's allowing Satan now to rob, steal, and destroy in his life. So our heart attitude in giving is essential for the harvest that we're going to reap. You know, if we give, we give money, but if it's reluctant, then maybe because we're being manipulated to give, being forced to give, uh, whatever, you know, but our heart is not in it, then we are sowing money, but we're not sowing ourselves. And as a result, we will not get much of a harvest of that. Paul commended the churches in Macedonia for their, their wonderful example in this. He says, The abundance of their joy abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship or partnership in ministering to the saints who were in poverty. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They sowed themselves. And then, then he says, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and to prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it might be ready as a matter of generosity, not grudging obligation. And notice he's, he's talking about collecting money for the Jerusalem saints. It's all about money. But notice he just doesn't want their gift. It's their heart that he's interested in. He's more interested that they give with a generous heart rather than the actual amount of the, the gift because he knows that if they do it as a grudging obligation, uh, it will have no spiritual blessing on it and they won't reap much harvest. Then he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now this applies on two levels. It, in the simple way, if you sow a little, you will, sparingly, you'll reap a little. If you sow a little love, you'll reap a little love. If you sow a lot, you'll reap a lot. But also, the word bountifully also means with blessings, literally. He says, he who sows with blessings will reap with blessings. In other words, this is someone whose heart is in the giving. He's not just sowing the seed, he's sowing himself with the seed. He's doing it with blessing. His spirit is going out with that money, you see. And then he says that will cause a bountiful harvest, a harvest of spiritual blessings as well as natural blessings will come from that. You will reap everlasting life, Jesus said. Praise God. Well, then he says in chapter 8, So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, now, grudgingly is probably because of your own covetousness. You don't want to give because you want to hold on to it yourself. He says, you've got to break that covetousness, not grudgingly, or of necessity. Now, necessity is when somebody's pressuring you to give. If someone ever, if I feel pressure to give, I will always just close up my wallet. I don't like to listen to any high-pressure offering or anything like that because if I give out of necessity because somebody's twisted my arm, well, then I'm not going to get much of a harvest from that because I'm not giving myself with the offering. God, it says, loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. Praise God. And so don't let anyone manipulate, force or control you into giving. Because if you can't give from your heart 
but you're doing it from pressure, again, it's not good sowing. There are techniques people use to raise money, to manipulate you. Professional money raisers are out there using things like superstitious tricks, anointed handkerchiefs, Sabbath offerings, feast offerings, promises of miraculous harvests in a month or a thousandfold return or making, a vow, making you vow money that you don't have, you know, your special double anointings and so on. Just avoid that stuff like a plague. It's not in the New Testament, you know. The reason they do it and they get away with it is that there's a lot of easily manipulated suckers out there. But you shouldn't be one of those, you know. Give as you purpose in your heart. Ask God uh, to show you what he wants you to give and respond to that. Give according to the love of God in your heart, causing you to give. But don't let yourself be manipulated and compelled. You know, when you give from your heart, God gives you this promise. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may also have an abundance to give for every good work. Praise God. And so if we give ourselves in this way to God and sow as we ought to sow, there will be a wonderful harvest so that we can have an abundance for ourselves but also to give. Praise God. You know, if you're not happy with what you're reaping, maybe it's because of some bad sowing in the past. But it's not just what you've been sowing physically, it's have you been sowing, have you been giving yourself with the seed? These are things to bear in mind. The third law is to plant what you want and expect to harvest. Genesis says that God made everything to reproduce according to its kind. Seeds according to their kind. So if you want apples, you sow apple seeds. You know, if you want a harvest of finances, you need to sow financial seeds. Um, you see, whatever a man sows, he will reap. It's all very simple, but it's truth. We need to govern, let our lives be governed by this understanding. The fourth law is that the harvest size is established when the seed is sown. It's determined by how much you sow, how liberally you sow, by your heart attitude. As we read before, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The fifth law is that the seed must be planted in good ground. The ground is important as well. The parable of the sower, there were different grounds and it yielded different results. Even the good ground had different results, 30, 60, 100 fold, you see. So make sure that you are sowing into good ministries and so, so, so on because you don't want to sow to the wrong ground. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life. The sixth law is plant your best seed for the best harvest. You know, that's what farmers do. If he, if he gets a certain harvest in, does he eat the best seed and sow the worst seed? That would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because then he will have bad harvest in the future. No, he takes his best seed for the future planting because he wants good harvest in the future. God sowed his best seed, his only son. He, he chose his best because he wanted the best possible harvest of people made in his image. The seventh law is you must always wait a period of time between the planting and the harvesting. Seed time and harvest. There's always a waiting time, you see. 
And so that is the testing time where you have to be patient and keep believing that the seed you've sown is coming to harvest. You don't immediately look round once you've sowed the seed and say, what's, what's going wrong? Where's the harvest? And a farmer who then digs up the seed, of course, destroys the harvest because he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe that God is going to give the increase. So once you've sown that seed, you need to believe that God will bring forth that harvest. God gives the increase. There's a time period between the sowing and reaping. And so we need to understand that we need patience in that time. That means continuing to believe God is working on the seed. As Hebrews says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, the manifestation. Don't cast away your confidence, he says, which has great reward, great harvest. For having you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, after you've sown that seed, you may receive the promise, the harvest. For yet a little while, and that which is coming, the harvest, will come and not tarry. It's coming. Be patient. And Luke says, The ones sown in good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. The harvest comes with patience. Ecclesiastes, as we saw, says that cast your bread on the waters because it's, you will find it again after many days. Not immediately. And even when it starts to manifest, it happens in stages. It says, the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground. He sleeps by night and rises by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He does not know how. It's God that gives the increase. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade. So after a time, it starts appearing above the surface. And the, then the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because harvest has come. He is able to reap. But it's a process of time between seed time and harvest. You've got to understand that, otherwise you'll be discouraged and you will stop sowing because you think it, this thing doesn't work. But it does. But you must be patient. Do not be deceived. God is not milked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. He says in verse 9, he goes on to say, And let us not grow weary while doing good, while giving. For in due season, we shall reap. In due season, you shall reap. If we do not lose heart, don't give up on that seed. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. You might think, well, I can't wait for, for this harvest to come. But if you are sowing consistently as a lifestyle, then your harvest will be coming all the time. The eighth law is maintain your ground as good ground for proper harvest. And the, the ground, you see, has to be maintained if that, a farmer's got to keep the ground in good condition. Otherwise, thorns, weeds come in, things come in to destroy that harvest. You need to keep the soil of your heart good because everything God does in your life comes through your heart, you see. And so you need to keep your heart right before God in fellowship with God, get the weeds out of your heart, get the unforgiveness out of your heart, because God is bringing the harvest through, through you. Jeremiah says, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives the rain, both the former and latter in its rain. The rain represents God's blessing that works on the seed and activates it. He reserves for us the appointed feasts of the harvest, but he says, the problem is this, your iniquity have turned these things away and your sins have withheld good from you. And what he's saying is, 
You're not getting the harvest that you should have because you've allowed sin into your heart. You've, you've allowed that ground to become infested and, and that way the, the harvest is not coming through for you. Now the ninth law is that you, your expense is the highest at harvest time. Sometimes finances can be tightest just before the harvest comes, so don't give up. The tenth law is a part of your harvest is for sowing again, and part of you is to keep. You know, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit? You do have, God wants you to be blessed for your own life as well as to give. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God's first, put your giving first, and then all these other things will be added to you. Praise God. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency for all things, that's for you, may have an abundance for every good work, that's your giving. As it is written, he's dispersed abroad, that's the righteous man has dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, that's your giving, and bread for food, that's for yourself, supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Law 11 is, sow to your desired harvest size, not from it. See, in farming, if you don't have much seed at the moment, it might be tempting to keep most of it to eat and sow just a little amount. But that's not good because that means your future harvest will be small. So you don't calculate your giving just from what you have, but from what kind of harvest you want to achieve. You, what kind of return is possible? A hundredfold return is possible. It says Isaac sowed his seed in famine and he reaped a hundredfold. Jesus talked about also that whatever we give up for his sake and the gospels will receive a hundredfold now in this time with persecutions and also eternal life, eternal rewards. Not that you'll get a hundredfold all at once, but throughout your lifetime that is a potential possibility. Uh, if God gives you that full life, you see, you can receive a hundredfold. And finally, the twelfth law, your harvest is a miracle of God. You don't have to understand how it works. It's God. I planted, says Paul, Apollos watered, but it's God who gives the increase. So trust him for a big harvest. It's not being selfish because God wants to bless you with a big harvest so that you can expand in your giving. You can give more to help people. You can give more to the kingdom of God. The harvest is coming, but give yourself to, to the, sow your seed and let your heart go with the seed and you will receive a wonderful harvest in this life and in eternity.